Welcome to SBCA's Building Community Connections podcast, where we highlight stories of women who are actively engaged throughout the construction industry and emphasize how more women can get involved. Here's your host, Jess Lowe's. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Building Community Connections podcast. I'm your host, Jess Lowe's with the Structural Building Components Association. Today, we have Cheryl Lewis joining us. Cheryl is the founder and CEO of NBO Construction, a component manufacturer and turnkey framing company based in Reno, Nevada. Cheryl is a member of the Board of Structural Building Components Association and brings more than three decades of experience building teams and leading organizations in diverse industries for optimal growth, with emphasis on operations, human resources, crisis and issue management, government relations, compliance, community relations, public relations, branding, and marketing. A graduate of Washington and Lee University School of Law, Cheryl practiced law in Arizona and was a licensed CPA with Big Four experience before turning her attention to entrepreneurial pursuits. Among her many best, among her many business ventures, Cheryl had the founder and president of one of Arizona's leading marketing communication firms for nearly 20 years with personal expertise in crisis management, public relations, and government affairs. Cheryl's diverse experience includes extensive work in the real estate and construction industries. So welcome to the podcast, Cheryl. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. I first and foremost wanted to kind of note that Washington and Lee, that is a very beautiful campus. And when I was first researching you coming onto our board a few years ago, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me. So that might not be as well known, but it stuck out to me. I had a friend that talked there here a few years ago, but a very beautiful place. And I'm envious of you being able to spend a lot of time there. Oh, it was the Shenandoah Valley is beautiful. I love going back there. I was just there in January. So beautiful place. And the school is small, but it's very well thought of. And more importantly, it's one of the older schools in the country. Great history. Yeah. As far as starting off the podcast and kind of talking a little bit about what it is that you do, I like to start with kind of the question, if you're sitting on an airplane next to a stranger and you struck up a conversation and they asked, what is it that you do? How do you typically answer that question? Yeah, I, I obviously I tell them I'm in the structural building components world. So because I always want to get the SBCA in there, right? Just kidding. I tell them that what we do is we build homes and we do it using today's technology, the latest technology to build trusses and wall panels. And usually that gets people into wanting to know more about wall panels. Most people have heard of trusses, but they're not as maybe not as familiar as wall panels. And then we have the turnkey framing. And that usually leads to a conversation about all the problems they've had with getting their house built and they can't get, can't find labor. And we talk about how that labor is one of the things that we're helping to solve with using technology in this, the building arena. So, and how does that, where do you be yourself within the overall construction industry? And do you think of it that way or do you keep a fairly narrow to the component and to the framing portions of it? I think there's, it's like anything else. There's this whole holistic approach you have to take to home building and to construction if you really want to do it right. Because we are also framing in many cases, not every case, um, but when we're framing, we need to make sure that we are talking with the other trades, that we understand not only how we got started and where the problems may be in the concrete, or we understand where the plumbing comes in and the electrical lines are, we've got to keep everybody in the entire process in mind if we really want to be successful. So I think of it as we're part of the construction industry on a broader sense. 
Okay. And that, I like that because when it comes to the framing, almost everything connects to it in the house. So it's good to have those connections throughout. I think of it as the bones, the skeleton. So <laughs> so you have such a, a unique background for somebody that sits on our board and you've got just a tremendous wealth of experience. In the last several years coming to the construction industry, what surprised you about it coming into it to, compared to your other backgrounds, whether it's PR or CPA or law? What did you think when you kind of got into this world? It's a totally different business. It's, I was just talking with a gentleman today who's in the manufacturing arena, and we were talking about how different it is when you're building something than when you're providing a service. And most of my businesses in the past have been service providing. And so framing is much more of the service side of it, a little bit easier for me to put my hands around. But there are so many things that go into manufacturing. It is a complex, not difficult as much as it is complex business. And so I signed it is, was probably most challenging in the beginning was the supply chain, something I didn't anticipate because we weren't, I don't think anybody was ready for what COVID was going to hit us with, but certainly it seems like it should be so much easier to get your supplies and organic materials provide you with a whole different level of issues that I just didn't anticipate. I think I was a little naive, quite frankly, getting into the business. And I really had not anticipated, I think I've told you I was kind of an accidental entrepreneur in this case, had not really anticipated that I was going to be running this company. I thought I was going to be helping some other people run it and ended up in the driver's seat, which is a, a place I'm very comfortable, but I didn't have the industry background. I think most people that I talk to who are experienced, my fellow SBCA board members usually go, wow, people don't usually green sealed this sort of operation. And certainly they don't do it without having been in the business. And I think that naivete has been okay. I've lived through it, but it's only because of people like my friends in the SBCA who have really helped guide me and mentored me. And it's been, that part has been really the best part is the relationships I've made as a result of being in the industry and being part of SBCA. I'll give my SBCA plug. <laughs> Keep doing it. I love it. To, to that naivete. Do you think maybe looking back, that was a strength in some ways? Yeah, I do. Because I don't think I, when you don't know what the challenge is ahead, it's easier to power through it. Sort of like having a baby. Most of us wouldn't do it. If we knew what we're getting into, <laughs> but once you've done it, the reward is so great, you do it again. So I don't, I don't know. I guess this was a lot like birth to the baby. Yeah. I have okay. three of them and this was my fourth for sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully it goes well. <laughs> you can use some of that parenting expertise to, to get your fourth well underway there. Looking at kind of some of the different areas of the, the industry, what are some of your favorites that you've really grown to love? Well, again, it's the relationships. I think both the customer relationships, the people in the industry, those relationships, our vendor relationships. I've definitely enjoyed that. And I really enjoy mentoring the, the young people in our company. I'm very pleased to have some women in the business and I have women on the floor. I have women who work in the field. I have women who work in the design department. And that's been really great for me because I'm a big advocate of bringing more women into the industry. And so that's been really fun for me. Honestly, every day I love my job because I get up and there's something new and challenging to do. So it's hard for me to pick one that I like over the other. 
Yeah. Any frustrations in there that you wish were a little bit different? Weather's yeah. been hard this year. Now, you wouldn't think it would impact a component uh, manufacturer as much, but it's really, the weather in Reno has been historically bad, and we've had more snow than any other year but one in history. So it has been a challenge for everyone to try to get any construction done. But I also think the challenge now is going to be in spring, it's going to be, we're going to have such a backlog of work that everyone's going to be battling for the labor. And that's going to be a, a challenge, I believe. And thinking about obviously weather challenges and all of that throughout and, but just kind of bigger picture with the construction industry, where you wish it would go and where it is actually going, are those the same direction or is there, what do you see and where do you wish it would go to help ease some of those burdens? But then also, like we were talking earlier a little bit about the labor situations and bringing more people into it. What are your thoughts on those issues? Well, I think the weather thing is something we're going to have to, everybody has those weather challenges at some point and we just happen to get a bad year. But compared to some parts of the country where there've been hurricanes and tornadoes and fires and I, I, it's hard to complain too much. But the things that I think we, we have to address is that innovation is, is something if we don't do, we're going to have less and less people join this industry. We have to tap into the reservoir of talent. And the talent today is much more of a computer software-based mindset. Our young people, they grow up with a computer in their hands, whether it's their you know, iPhone or mom's iPad or the, even the computer that is their TV today, because most of them don't even use their computer for television. So I think we have to provide a work environment that taps into that talent. And that's what I think the structural building components world is doing. We're bringing more technology in. We're bringing more computer-based product in. Make, having it so that people are relying less on measuring by hand, knowing how to read plans, even though they need to do that in the field, to be able to build in this plant something that's precise and that is reliable and that meets the plans without having everyone have to understand how to do that personally is going to be the only way we're going to build this industry. And we have to do that because read a report this morning that we're going to be 500,000 construction workers short in 2023. And quarter of the workers in the construction industry right now are over 55, maybe more, but certainly in framing, I think it's more, but that's what this report was saying. That's a scary number. We have to be able to tap into greater resources. And so I think technology is one way we can do that. Yeah. And you mentioned employing women and I'm starting to see it's, I feel like it's in its infancy, but at least I'm starting to notice it a little bit more than maybe three, four, five, ten years ago. But, and hopefully SBCA is helping contribute to this, but women participating in the construction industry, uh, describe the conversation everyone in the construction industry needs to be having to make this a more attractive career destination for women. Well, I think one of the things that needs to happen is there need to be more role models. We need, young people need to see more women in leadership roles. And I've tried to make sure that internally I'm doing that, but we need to see more in the industry as a whole. I was looking at some of the boards, that, the public boards, and to see how many of them have women on them. And very few have, they may have one, but we need more women on boards. 
in the construction industry, in every industry. I mean, there's been proof. There's many studies that show when you have a diverse board and you have more women on the board, then you have higher profits. And diversity just makes you think differently. It makes you come up with better and different solutions. It doesn't mean women are doing it better. It just means they bring a different voice to the table. And I think that's true in the business world as well. In our companies, the more we have diverse people around the table, the more we're going to have a chance at profitability. So I believe it's looking at young people and seeing what talent they have and what they're interested in and then helping them see how that could translate into construction. So a good example, I have a young woman in my company who had a master's degree in animation. She was planning to work for Disney and she, during a conversation, I convinced her that she should look at what we're doing and become a designer. And she decided to do it. She's a great designer. She thinks 3D. She's modeling is just natural to her and she loves it. She's making more money than she would have in the animation industry and has a better chance of a strong career track. And so letting people see that is, I think, really important. But we also have to do simple things. Like if we want women to work in the industry and to, to work in our manufacturing plants and in, our, in the field work, we have to provide different bathrooms. <laughs> they need, we need to have clothing that fits them. We need to make sure that they have the right PPE. We, we have to do all of the things that will make it easier for them rather than them feel challenged. And then I think we've also got the problem of kind of culturally, you know, we used to see movies and we still do movies that show construction workers catcalling at women. And if women think that's the mindset of the worker, they're not going to want to be there. That we need everyone on the entire team to think about how they are representing the industry and embrace women and, and accept them and bring them into the fold. And I'm kind of where you ended that with the movie reference. I think it's paramount for the incumbents. And I'll, I'll say the incumbents, the people that are here, not to just say that it's only men or only women or whatever the mix is, but they have a responsibility to help open that up and make and level that playing field. And how can we, is it just a matter of just drawing attention to it? Or do we need to be more proactive to make that happen? What's your opinion there and how do we help develop that or how do we make that a reality? I think about that a lot. Um, every industry I've worked in pretty much, at least when I started, I was one of the few women. I mean, I, I'm I'm one of the old ones here. And when I started in public accounting, I was the only woman in my office that was a professional. There were women who were in support positions, but I was the only woman professional. So I was used to being one of the few women. When I went to Washington and Lee Law School, our undergraduate was all male. And the next door was BMI, Virginia Military Institute, and it was all male. I used to say you couldn't buy mascara in that town. So there were 100 women on two campuses that were getting degrees. So I've never really been nervous about being one of the few women, but I can say that it's a challenge and it's something that I don't find as rewarding as when I have a diverse group of people around me. So I think what we have to do is first get people to accept that will be good for them, that it will be good for the industry. So it's not just something we do because it's we're asked to do it or it's tokenism of any sort. It's because it's right and it's good and it will help us prosper. So changing the mindset around, we just want some women so we can say we did it to we want women because they add value. 
then women are going to see that and feel that if they are accepted in those terms rather than as a token. So I think that's part of it. But I also think a lot of it is putting women in leadership positions. SBCA has put me on the stage and putting me as the first guest on this uh, podcast is a great honor. But it's also saying we think women are important. We think their voices are important. I'm the first to say I'm probably the least knowledgeable of the board members on your board in terms of the industry. But I think that also makes me valuable because I'm going to ask questions that maybe somebody else wouldn't ask because they just assume everyone knows. But I appreciate that SBCA has put that kind of attention on me because I think it gives me a chance to say, I want women here and I will help you in any way I can. But it's also, as you said, the incumbents and most of whom are men need to do the same thing. Yeah. And that, now I've got a lot of follow-up questions. <laughs> we'll see how we do on time to, to where we get there. But you kind of touched on the grand scale of encouraging women to participate in the construction industry, but how do we draw out people of different personality types? And I sense, and knowing you for a while now, you're kind of that trailblazer. You like to go out there. You're not afraid of being the first, but how do we get people of all personality traits, specifically women, to engage more to where we're not looking for a, a very small number that we can increase that overall? And how do we recruit or make it more welcoming and that kind of thing as well. Yeah, I, I, I do think that it is it being intentional. I don't think, I've never believed in affirmative action for the simple reason of affirmative action, but because I think affirmative action efforts are good if they're not discriminatory in a bad way. I, it's a hard thing to, to articulate, but until we started having efforts where we intentionally added women. So for instance, the Baki case back in the day that, basically allowed me to go to a law school that was in an all-male school, right? If that case hadn't happened, which was basically an affirmative action, I wouldn't have gone to that law school. And in going to that law school, I was able to help the administration see, I testified in the case that helped the, the school to realize bringing women on the undergrad campus would be positive. And actually, the year after I left, they brought women into the undergrad campus. They did it intentionally. They went in and they said, this is good for us and we want to make it happen. So we are going to intentionally recruit women. I think we have to do the same thing. We need to have more women out there opening the doors for them, though. There's a women in leadership group, uh, construction leadership, I think it is, that I've been trying to learn more about because I think they had started it. I'm not sure they're still around. But the idea that they had was, if we put women on stage and that's who people see in a leadership role, then they'll want to do it too. But I don't think it matters. I have two daughters, both of whom are introverts. They're not their mother. I'm truly not an introvert. Um, but they're both in leadership positions in their companies because somebody said to them, we see talent and we're going to help train you to get the skills you need to become a leader not because they asked for it so much, but because somebody saw it in them. And I think we have to be very intentional about looking for those people who maybe aren't saying, I want to be the leader, but who have the skills to be the leader. Does that make sense? No. Well, yes, it does. And I really like that approach and that thought process because one, it's applicable to women and increasing the number of women in the industry, but it's just applicable to everybody too. And that's, it's a, 
it's an everybody problem with some different solutions there. I like that. You'd mentioned earlier about mentorship and how important is it for mentorship for anyone starting a new career or even a new position within an existing company or career? I don't think we talk about that enough, especially on the SBCA side of things, but what are your perspectives and thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely critical. And I think it is something that's helped me so much. I didn't have a lot of women role models, I'll have to say, in my business world. Um, maybe more when I got into the marketing and public relations side of things. But in my most of my pursuits, I've been not really finding women mentors, but I've had a lot of men who have opened their doors to me. They've given me advice. They've made sure I got good introductions. And quite frankly, that's true of my relationship in SBCA. I didn't even know about SBCA and I was introduced to it by someone else in the industry who said, this is what you need to do. And I think we have to be active about that. We can't wait for somebody to come to us. We have to reach out to them. I think SBCA has done a pretty good job, but I think we could do so much more to go out and look for those people in the industry who need mentorship and really team up assign people mentors. I think people really will appreciate that. And I do believe that we all need somebody to be the person in the room that speaks for us when we're not there. That's a lot of what mentors should be doing. Any advice for a young person that may be listening as to how to solicit or how to find a mentor and how to go out and introduce themselves or make that connection and hopefully help out? Well, this is where that whole issue around somebody who's not as maybe trailblazing as me is going to have a little bit more difficulty. I do remember when I started with, it was Ernst & Winnie was my first big job out of school. Which, uh, Ernst & Winnie is now Ernst & Young, but this is many years ago. I was assigned a mentor in the company and it wasn't even somebody in my office. They just assigned, I was a audit professional at that point and they assigned somebody to mentor me. And I got a call every week from this person for the first year I was there just to check and see if I had any questions, if I'd gotten through some of the bureaucracy of the business and got myself set up properly and had a family tragedy during that time. And that person actually flew out to my mother's funeral. Things that made me feel like somebody at that company cared. And I think that's a lot of it is somebody just caring makes it a lot easier for you to do your job. And I, I don't know, I guess the best way is to ask your company, is there somebody who could mentor me? Um, maybe, or see somebody that you think would be a good mentor. Join a group in your industry that where there are people who do what you do that you can talk to, maybe not even in your own company, who can be your mentor. Family members who you think could be a good mentor. I mean, something that in the SBCA with so many of these family businesses, Maybe people disagree. Maybe they don't, don't want family members to be their mentors. But I think it's a built-in mentor that could be a great source of knowledge and guidance. So, Well, I like that, especially the family, because that's kind of my background, how I came up with it. And despite the family relationship, there's a lot of mentorship that happens there, whether you realize it or not. And we kind of got to this point, but I want to talk a little bit more specifically about generationally. We talk about women and construction women in the workforce and trying to attract them. There's got to be differences that generationally to help people approach that a little bit better. Do you have any observations or care to share any stories that would help kind of understand the nuances to where people can get a little bit more specific when they 
mean to be you know more proactive with that outreach towards women? Okay, I'm not sure I totally understand. So you're saying in terms of how it is now compared to how it used to be, or no, just like if you're if you were say talk or trying to attract a millennial versus Gen Z, Gen X, that type of thing. How are there differences? I I just don't think it's fair to say all women are the same. Oh, absolutely. In their approach. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm always targeting the younger people because I'm looking for people who maybe are still trying to find their way and find their career and get get an opportunity to spread their wings. But I have one woman here at the company who's much grown children, and she started because her daughter had come to to work here, and she was just she doesn't speak English, and she was just going to be basically. I catch her catching lumber and moving it. And we saw a real talent in her. And through an interpreter, I sat down and said, what would you like to be doing? She said she wanted to build me up on the trust table. And she got up on that table. She has mentored other young women and shown them the ropes. She's a quiet person. She's not very outgoing. And of course, the language barrier, I'm sure, is part of that. But just seeing this woman who probably had never been given many opportunities to advance, just say, state what she wanted and us give her the chance. I think that's part of it, is giving people opportunities, finding out what intrigues them and then letting them try it. There's no loss there, especially if they want to do it. If they're not forced to do something, they get a chance to do it. That's a lot of it. For young people, I think it's just having them even understand what the industry is because it's not something that they're going to see on YouTube. And so, well, we need to do more of that. But I mean, it's not something they're going to say, oh, I opened up YouTube and this is, I want to be this influencer in the construction industry. Uh, it's, we'd have to be much more, like I said, be more intentional about it. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but. No, it, it helps. And I like the, i like I try to always say the best thing you could be given is an opportunity. And that's one of those to, it's a good point to where you don't understand what you have to work with until you allow people to, to kind of grow into that. So I like that point. It really good answer there. So I think we're coming up on almost 30 minutes. So I like that to probably wrap it up there, but really want to thank you for doing this, for participating and helping us out. I really enjoyed the conversation. I learned a lot. Hopefully our listeners do as well. We'll continue to do this, but Cheryl, thank you very much. And any parting shots? Just thank you for the opportunity. I really do appreciate, and I appreciate your desire as a, um, both as the organization, but personally to see women advance. And I see that in the people you surround yourself with professionally as well. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Cheryl. And we'll be seeing you at the next SBCA board meeting. And for one last time, go SBCA. Yay. (laughs) Let's go. Thank you. This has been a Building Community Connections podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there is a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.